This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Find your Bible. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. You know, something very, very cool that, uh, that I found out while I was there in Mexico. So Trina and Teresa went, went with us, and, and my dad ab- had absolutely no idea who they were. And uh, so he just starts asking questions like, I mean, we're in Wicks and Granis, Arkansas. Come on, how do we not at least know somebody in common? So my dad just starts asking questions. Who are you? Where are you from? Who are your, who's your family and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, throughout the conversation, their grandfather comes up, Jim, right? Jim Duckett. And as soon as Teresa says that, a big light bulb goes off in my dad's mind, in my dad's head. You see, um, this church, this building was built in 1999. 1999. And uh, Jim Duckett was actually a big, big help. He lent my dad and, and those that were working, he lent them materials, he lent them uh, tools and all kinds of tools and equipment and uh, would come and my dad said he was here every single day. He'd go home and eat lunch and then he'd come back here and he'd just help and he'd just watch and he'd let, he'd let them know when they weren't doing something the right way and he'd help them fix it. He'd help them work around it. There were a couple things that, that with the electrical stuff that my dad couldn't figure out and, and, and Jim would step in and he'd wire, he'd wire some stuff up in some weird way and make it work, you know. I mean, it's working up to now. I mean, nobody's been electrocuted, thank God. Um, but it was just amazing and my dad was just so amazed of how they worked together and alongside to build this building 18 years ago, and then now, 18 years later, here are his granddaughters traveling with me and my wife, going and working in the mission field. And, uh, and it really just spoke of, of seeds that we plant in our children and in our family. And, and it speaks of, and, and, and there's a big part, and we're going to read it in 2 Samuel chapter 7, but, but it, it really inspired me. Because you never know the relationships that you're building today, the relationships that you have today, you never know how deep those roots are going to go into the ground. And uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I benefit a whole lot from my father and from my grandfather on my mother's side. There's absolutely no doubt my grandfather, he loved missions. He spent his uh, 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 about 40 years of his life building churches in Mexico, and he would he would fly missionaries into Mexico. My grandpa had a, had his pilot's license, and so he would take uh, missionaries into Mexico and, and uh, make trips that way. And he built hundreds of churches in the in the uh, mountains of Chihuahua, Mexico. And there's absolutely no doubt that that passion that my grandfather had has dripped into me. And, and the thing is, I didn't grow up around my grandpa. I saw my grandpa once or twice a year. But still, 
his values and his principles dripped into me and, and the relationships that my dad has built. I have, I have built relationships. My, my grand, my, or my father has relationships with Wayne Morrow and I have relationships with Mark and David Morrow, his sons. And I've preached at their churches and they have preached here and we've done ministry together. And the relationships that we build and the things that we do today you absolutely have no idea how deep those roots go into the ground in, for your family. I want you guys, it's not in your notes, but I want you guys to write down Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. And it says, a good man, the first part of it says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children, children. A good man, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now find your Bibles, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're, we're just going to read a whole lot. And your notes have a lot of blank area, and that's on purpose, because this message for today is, is geared or... or, or or, yeah, made, hopefully, to make us think more than it is to make us just learn and receive. More than just say a bunch of stuff up here that you might write down in your notes. I want, I want this message to make us all think. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent, tent curtains. So what David is saying, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the, the ark of covenant that, that David had brought into, into his place. And uh, so basically he's saying, listen, the presence of God is dwelling inside of a tent. And here I am in this nice big building. And... Uh, then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that, that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Where... Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall, say you, thus shall you say to my servant David. I'm going I'm to I'm pause right there. And this has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but it is a great Little side note. So David is worried because God's presence or the Ark of Covenant is in a tent and he's in this big, nice castle, this big, nice kingdom. And he says in him, within himself, I have, to, I have to make this right. God can't be in a tent. I have to make this nice, big building for him to be inside of. And God says, I've always been in this tent. I've never needed anything more. I've never asked anybody or told anyone to build anything for me. And this is the point that we need to get out of this. And, and again, we're gonna, we're, this is completely a different route of where we're going to be going today. But what, that, what God is teaching David here 
is he does not need a defender. God needs no protector. You guys with me? So David thinks that he needs to protect God, poor little God who is outside in a tent, suffering in a tent, while I'm in this nice big kingdom. Now the way so many of us take it today in the church world and, and as Christians and, and, and all of this stuff is we think we have to take a stand for God. You ever heard that? Because poor little baby Jesus needs our help. Poor little baby Jesus needs us to defend him. Uh, either this isn't clicking or it's stepping on toes. I can't figure out which one of the two it is. We have so many people out there. And, and a, I've heard a, a, another pastor, he calls them pit bulls for Jesus is what he calls them. And there's so many people out there, this is, this is the, the lens that they look through, and this is the way they live their entire life, is, is they look at preachers or, or other Christians, and they point out everything that they're doing wrong. And they focus on everything that everybody else is doing wrong and saying, that's not right, that's, you know, uh, trying, again, trying to protect the image of Jesus. Does that make any sense to you guys? I mean, it makes perfect sense in my mind. It may not make sense to you guys at all right now. But there's so many, there's so much, so many of us, excuse me, there's so many of us that feel like we have this need to protect Jesus. This need to, to protect and defend God or this need to protect and defend what the Bible says. And uh, we get all bent out of shape about our rights and, and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, and I've talked about this before. All we are is a bunch of little spoiled babies that we're not playing with the toy, but as soon as somebody tries to take it away, what does a, little, what does a, what does a baby do? What does a kid do? All of a sudden they want it, huh? And they don't really want it. They just don't want anybody else playing with it. And Christians tend to act this way so many times. I mean... We're not praying in our schools, but as soon as somebody says we can't pray in our schools, what do we do? We, 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 don't, we don't follow the Ten Commandments. We don't even know what the Ten Commandments are, but as soon as somebody wants to take them down, what do we do? Are you guys following me? I mean, I, I, know, I know this isn't popular to, to talk about. But that's exactly what Jesus or what God is trying to teach David here. He's saying, listen, I don't need anybody to defend me. He is God. Do we really think that somebody can damage God's image? Can somebody really hurt God? No. So that's what God's that's what God is teaching teaching David there. All right, now let's keep on going. So I want to jump down. <clears throat> to verse 10. And then we'll start getting into our topic for today. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Really start paying attention to here, right here. 
Also the Lord tells you that He will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body and will establish His kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will build His house, and He shall be my son. If He commits iniquity, I will chasten Him with, with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, but my mercy shall never depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all the vision, so Nathan spoke to David. I want to pray and then we'll get into this. God, we thank you so much again for your presence in this place. We ask you, God, that you would just speak into our hearts, speak into our minds. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. God, help us to live your word out. And God, help us to just ask our, make, that this message would th- make us think. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. So I love this. What is happening is God is making a covenant or a pact or a promise with David. And he's saying, because of who you are and because of the way that you love me, I am going to establish your house and and your children are going to follow me and your children will be successful and I will never, my mercy will never leave your children. Because of the way that you, David, follow me, I'm going to leave an inheritance not only to you but to your children and to your children's children and to their children and my prayer throughout this message is that it would create us or it would spark a thought inside of our minds and it would make us question make us wonder what type of inheritance am I leaving for my children what kind of inheritance am I leaving for my children, not only materialistic things. Listen, it's great to leave materialistic things. If you have the means, I have life insurance. I am definitely worth more to Lorena dead than I am alive. And that's just my way of taking care of them. If Lord forbid something were to happen to me, man, she would be rich. But that's not what it's all about. Now, I hope that... that my, my family, if, if something were to happen to me, I hope that, or I have made a way, not I hope, I have made a way that through some wise choices that they would make, they would be set up and, and they wouldn't have to suffer. And, and they would, as long as they made some wise, wise choices, I would be able to leave a descendants not, or an, uh, an inheritance not only to them, to my children and to my children's children as well. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the relationships that we build on, on our time here. What kind of relationships we have with God and, and the relationship that we build with God, not only for ourselves, but for our family. You guys have heard me say this a hundred times, but the way that I worship God, the way that I follow God affects the way that my children follow God. You guys with me? The way that I follow God affects the way that my children follow God. I had to have a difficult conversation with an older gentleman a few, uh, few months ago. Because he just couldn't figure out why his kids weren't following God. He just, he just couldn't figure out why his kids weren't, weren't doing 
what he thought they should be doing and why his kids weren't in church and why his kids weren't following God or weren't worshiping God. Why his kids had chosen the path that they had taken. And and I'm sitting right there and I'm listening to him and I'm allowing him to vent. And finally, when he gets done talking, I I just had to look at him right in the face. Had to look at him right in the eyes and I said, all they're doing is what you taught them. They're just doing what you taught them. He wanted his kids to grow up and go to church every Sunday once they were adults, but he didn't go to church. He sent his kids to church, but he didn't go to church. He wanted his kids to make the right decisions and make the right choices and build the right relationships and do the right thing. But that's not the life that he lived. You see, the way that I follow God affects the way that my children follow God. There's no way around this. You can't follow God one way and then expect them to follow God another. You know, if you have a messy room, you can't expect your kids to have a clean room, right? If you're not making your bed in the morning, you can't go yell at your kids because they haven't made their bed. You with me? Some of you are like, yeah, that's why I keep the door shut. (laughs) Hypocrites, man. (laughs) The way that I follow God affects the way that my children follow God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. I'm going to wait for you guys to find it. If you're in 2 Samuel, go to the right. You're running to Psalms, the largest book in the Bible, and then you're running to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22. Verse 6, I want you all to highlight it, whether you're a parent or not, because one day maybe you'll be a parent. Right, Gabs? Are you going to be a parent one day? Maybe. Maybe. Dude, I just want to spank your kids just one time, bro. (laughs) All right, he gave me permission. Y'all heard it. I gave all kinds of people the permission to slap my kids before I had kids. Better not touch my kids. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they will not leave it or they will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, when they grow up, when they are adults and living in their own house and making their own money and working at their own jobs, when they are old, they will not leave the training that you gave them as children. You know, so I just want to take just a, just a second and, and, and maybe give a little bit of hope to you guys that, that did teach your children how to serve God and did teach your children how to worship God and how to, how to love and how to follow God. But for some reason, maybe they're in a rebellious stage right now or, or they're just not following and they're, they're messing up, man. You know, I, I did the same thing. I went, I grew up in church. I've been to more services than I care to count. I heard more sermons that I have heard Anything. I mean, I've heard hundreds and thousands of sermons throughout my life, but I still had about 18 months in my life that were just, that I just really wish that I could go back in time and erase. You know, it's just one of those moments or a period of my life that I'm just like, dude, why? Like, it doesn't even make sense to me now, but at the time, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't really care about anything else. And I can't even imagine, I, I, I even remember, 
and I'm, I'm even embarrassed to say this, but, but it goes along very well with this scripture. I, I, I remember my dad confronting me, and I'm, I'm about an 18 or 19, uh, I want to say 18, maybe 19 years old, and, and uh, I remember my dad confronting me, and he, and he asked me, man, and whenever he asked me this, it just, it rocked me. But he, he, the question he asked me, he said, EJ, did I teach you this? And I had to look him in the eyes and say no, because he didn't. But they were choices that I was making. The lifestyle that I was wanting to live at that moment. So I looked at him, I said no, then I walked away. And I can't imagine the heartache and the pain that I caused my, my father at that moment. But you know what? It was only 18 months out of 31 years so far. And even though I went through that rebellious period, and even though for that time I made, the, I made bad choices, and I clearly walked away from God, I came back around. Because it was in me. It was ingrained inside of me. It was instilled inside of me. And I honestly just had no other choice. It was who I am. And you see, and I've tried to run away from this thing. You know, I, I didn't grow up hoping to be a pastor. I didn't. Because I saw my parents and I saw the hurt, heartache that it, it caused them. I, I didn't want to do this. I never planned on being up on a, on a pulpit or up on a stage every Sunday morning and trying to uh, uh, present a message to anybody. I never planned on that. I never dreamed about that. But yet here I am. There's absolutely, I mean, there's just, it doesn't matter what else I would choose to do or try to do. If I'm not in one way, shape, or form involved in ministry, I know I'm going to be miserable. Because that is who my parents made me. Train up in a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will not leave it. So if you're that parent and you have trained your children and you have taught them about God and you have been the example of leading them and and teaching them to follow God, but for some reason unknown to you, your children or your child right now is walking away from God and you know it has nothing to do with what you've taught them. Because you taught them the right way. You taught them the right things. This scripture is for you. Hold on to Proverbs 22.6. It might take 18 months. It might take 18 years. But I believe when God gives us a promise, that he fulfills it. His word says that he's not son of man to repent or, or to lie or break promises. That's not who God is. So take hope in that. Take hope in that. For the rest of us, for all of us that are like me are just now starting and have little ones, then let's make that our promise as well. Let's see that as a guarantee from God just saying, hey, if I will do my best and if I will train up my children and teach them What is most important in life? If I will teach them how to follow God, not tell them, 
but show them with my life, with my actions, if I will show them how to follow God, we might hit rough patches years down the road, and we might run into some stumps, and we might run into some valleys down the road, but I know that if I will do my part while they're young, once they're out of my house and out from underneath my roof, and I have no control over them at all, I know that God some way, somehow will make a way for them to come back to Him. This is good stuff, man. This is, a friend of mine says, this is better than the amens that I'm getting. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians is at the very, very back. It's actually pretty easy to, to not find it and go over it like I just did. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Dang it. It's a short book. If you don't find it right now, just go ahead and... and uh, Highlight it there in your notes and read it later. Let him, or excuse me, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Our children will become who we are, not who we want them to be. Your kids will become who you are, not who you want them to be. I heard a pastor say it this way in, re- in, in, uh, in reference to Galatians chapter 6, 7. He says, a lot of people go out and sow their wild oats. Have you ever heard that expression? You sow your wild oats. One of the dumbest expressions I've ever heard. But anyways, you sow your wild oats. In other words, you just go off and do whatever you want. You're acting wild. You're acting dumb. And you're sowing your wild oats. Then he says, then they go and pray for crop failure. Let's say that again. So we go out and we sow our wild oats. And then we pray for crop failure. So we just hope. That what we sowed or what we planted, the seed that we put in the ground, doesn't grow. Now, wouldn't it make just a whole lot more sense to just not sow the wild oats? You see, our children are going to become who we are, not who we want them to be. The character that you have and the character that you reflect is a character that they will have. Every time, every time I get up on a stage in front of people that know my dad and that have listened or heard my dad or watched my dad preach, every stinking time I get down and there is one or at least two people that come up to me and say, you look so much like your dad and you act so much like him. And I'm like, please tell me that I'm better than him, though. No, I'm kidding. My dad's great. I'll never be better than him. The character that we have, the way that we act, the, the, the decisions that we make, 
the things that we do, all of that teaches our children way more than what our words do. But some of us, or so many of us, we would, we would rather teach our children with words because it's easier to say things. Would you agree? It's easier to say, make your bed than to make your bed. It's easier to say, hey, wash the dishes than to wash the dishes. It's easier to say, hey, do the right thing instead of doing the right thing. Would you agree? Would you agree that it's easier to say, to talk? Would you agree that? But, you know, everybody knows. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Action speaks louder than words. And we can tell our kids to do the right thing. And we can tell our kids to follow Jesus. And we can tell our kids to be loving and compassionate and forgiving. But if we're not reflecting those things... If we're not living those things out and they're not seeing that in us. You guys with me? So then it leads me to just a couple of questions that that I want to end today with. The first question is, what am I doing or what are you doing that you hope your children do. So what right now in your life, and, or whenever you, uh, whatever, in, in your life and in your decisions and, and the things that you do, what are you doing? What do you do? What characteristics do you have that you hope your children reflect? You know, maybe you're very compassionate. You hope your children are compassionate. Maybe you're very loving. You hope your children are loving. Maybe you're forgiving. Maybe you extend grace, maybe you're a giver, maybe whatever. What in your character, in your life, maybe you're you're a hard worker, you're a good provider, whatever it may be. What in your life do you do that, that, yeah, I hope I can pass that down to my kids. I hope that they're like me. But then we also have to ask, ask the question, what inside of me do I hope they don't get? You know, we talked about this just a little bit a few weeks ago when we talked about David killing Goliath and we talked about us killing our Goliath. You see, and there are battles in my life that I choose, I choose to face head on and do my absolutely best to just to just kill them because I know their their character flaws in my life that that uh, some of them that I've developed and others that were passed down to me. And I would hate to see my kids battle the same character issues. And so there are things and there are issues in my life that I choose on purpose. And I place things into motion and I do things with, with uh, um, intentionality to face these issues in my life. Because I don't want my kids having to face them. So the first question is, is, in, is one and two is what am I doing that I hope passes down to my kids? And then what am I doing that I hope doesn't pass down to my kids? And I think, you know, this, this takes a lot of honesty. 
And it takes a little bit of self-reflection. And we just have to be, I mean, I don't think anybody can really tell you for yourself or tell you for you. I think it's just something you have to be able to look in a mirror and say, I really hope my kids don't do this. And the second question is this. What principles are important for me to instill in my children? What principles are important for me to instill in my children? I think it's very important for us to know these ahead of time. We have to know what principles are important for us ahead of time. That way, when it comes to the decision, it makes that decision-making so much easier. You guys with me? One of my, one of my best friends is halfway to Colorado right now. I was supposed to be with him. We planned since last uh, August, a year ago, we planned we're all going to go to up to Colorado and we're going to do an archery elk hunt. Man, I mean, that's, that's, whew. tell you what, man, I, I can hear the elk bugling right now and up in the mountains, just beautiful, man. If you've never been up there and, and if you love, like, creation, it's definitely a, a trip worth making. But about a year ago, we planned we're, we're going to make this trip together. It was going to be me and him and then his brother and his dad. And, and uh, we were going to meet and we were going to drive up there. And hopefully one of us was going to kill an elk. Well, a couple months ago, this mission trip, this medical mission trip, keeps kind of, it was supposed to be in May, uh, which would have been great. You know, obviously wouldn't interfere at all. And then, but then it kept getting pushed back because of the medication and, and just stuff that we had to get taken care of. And then finally, it, get, it lands on, next, on last weekend. And obviously, you know, I'm, I missed the Sunday, and I'm like, and so whenever I found that out, I'm like, dude, I can't miss two Sundays in a row. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. It's like, oh, man, come on, your church is going to understand. Everybody's going to be great with it, da, 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 da. I'm just like, no, dude, I'm just not going to do that. And it was just a decision that was made ahead of time. Now, don't get me wrong. I wish I was headed... <laughs> Northwest right now. And I'm sure if he kills one, he's going to rub it in my face and all kinds of stuff. But it was a decision that I made ahead of time. And so when it came time to make this decision, it was easier for me. I didn't think about it a whole long, uh, uh, a long time. It wasn't that difficult for me. There'll be another trip. Hopefully. I'll go some other time. But making that trip to Oaxaca and then being here this next Sunday to tell you guys about it, hopefully inspire someone. See, this is what is really important to me. And these are the type of principles that I want to instill in my kids. And even though they're too young right now to really understand it and see it, obviously. But I'm making them right now and in the future, I'll keep making them. And I'm not going to tell my kids whenever it comes time for them to, to, to question, well, should I follow my calling in God or should I go do X? I'm going to be able to say, hey, you remember whenever I did it? And look at the outcome from it. I won't have to convince them with some type of wording. And You guys follow me? 
You see, I've made a pact with my family. See, my kids will follow God because they're going to see me following God. My kids will be and fulfill their purpose in God. I believe it with all of my heart because they're going to watch me do the same thing just as I watch my parents do the same thing. So I hope this message makes us think. Hopefully we start making a few decisions ahead of time. That way when it comes time to make it, it's easier. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com. Thank you.